Hello, everybody, and welcome to the second to last episode of the Pop Culture Over Pizza podcast. Oh, my God. Okay. So, hi, everybody. My name is Walt. Guys, introduce yourselves. Our very short round of the table includes me. Uh, I, I'll get, I almost forgot my name for a second. AJ. <laughs> <laughs> what? Remember, I, I used to be an angel. I hacked out my grace. Oh, okay. So then, um, yeah, it's, uh, what's poppin' Jimbo? It's uh, Eli. Yeah, Eli. There you go. Congratulations, yeah. bro. All right. Stay toesy. So going from that, we're going to now get into our episode. Now, this episode is going to be a little bit different. This is going to be kind of like a uh, geek out episode where each of us is going to have something that we're going to geek out over. Yes. And Full and unadulterated geek. Yes. So now I'm going to advise everyone now, just so that you know, and before we get into the topics, we will say it again, but this is going to be a spoiler episode. So whatever we're going to be geeking out over, understand we are going to spoil the crap out of it. Yes. So I suggest not listening to this episode if you do not want spoilers well listen to the episode well after after but watch the stuff and then come back and listen to it yeah so don't (laughs) watch it if you didn't watch the things we're gonna talk about yes because we're gonna geek out over that stuff we're gonna throw some easter eggs on onto a lot of the stuff also right yeah so uh who wants to go first I guess that'll be me. Okay. And the topic I will be covering is supernatural. Whoa. Ooh. So far out of left field and uncharacteristic of me. Yeah, like we didn't see that coming. But interestingly enough, this season has been so far out of left field. Okay, so before you continue, again, we're going to alert our audience. If you're not caught up to supernatural, like me, pause this episode. Check the show notes. If you want to continue on to the other topics, go right ahead. But we are going to spoil the crap out of Supernatural, especially this last episode. Because AJ has to talk about this, right? Yes. Yeah. AJ, fire away. So this episode is entitled, it's episode eight of season 15, Our Father who aren't in heaven. Ooh, I like the name okay, already. Okay, okay. Well, before I even get into this, I have to preface who the season, who the villain of the season is. I kind of know already, but for everybody else at this table, meaning Eli. Yeah, I haven't been yeah. caught up. Well, I'm not caught up either, but I know everything, so. Because you uh, look at spoilers. It's annoying. <laughs> every day. Anyway, so drop it. So... The season, the the villain of this season, and the reason why certain things are happening the way they are, get ready for this, it's God. Boom. What? God is the season villain. Can I say it because he doesn't know? As in Chuck? Yes. What? I know that already, dude. No freaking way, bro. Chuck is the villain of this season. To be honest, I thought God was kind of like lame, like dumb. Dude. He he gets down. He gets wrathful, so wrathful. Oh, yo! So like, let me let me preface so far. He's done a few things that he's supposedly not been able to do. So like, first of all, we've been getting uh, a lot of nostalgic villains like uh, Lilith. What? Hurian? Yep. Okay. She she got resurrected. How did that happen? So, 
first of all, when angels and demons die, we found out where they go. And it's this place called the empty. Yeah, the empty. It's where angels and demons go to sleep for eternity. Castillo Wunther. Yep, he did. So it's like their their version of purgatory, heaven and hell type of thing? Yes. Yeah. According to previously established information, God has no reach there. This is seen to be this is not seen to be the case because Lilith is back at it. So God slash Chuck re- resurrected Lilith. Yes, but that's Why? not even getting to this episode. I, I I have to I have to make that known before I even get to what happens in this episode. Okay. So up to this point, the last season finale saw uh, the death of Jack. And the release of every single soul in hell. God just opened the gates of hell like, there you go. End of the world. Wait, so like... So what happened last last season was that uh, Jack lost his soul trying to fight Apocalypse World Michael. Wait, so what happened to Lucifer? I just want to know. He's dead. Dead? Yeah. Like Michael, like... No, Dean killed him as Michael. Boom. What? Because what ended up happening was the whole Apocalypse Michael's whole arc was that he wanted to get to mainstream Earth. Mainstream Earth. Earth One, as I like to call it. With Kevin Tran, the... Earth Prime, better yet, Earth Prime. With Kevin Tran, the nerdy... uh, The nerdy... Profit. Yeah. Yeah. So he eventually does that. And uh, he ends up having a standoff with Jack for the first time. But what happens is he loses miserably because Jack is OP as hell. Damn. And what ends up happening is because Jack, uh, Lucifer has been trying to, to build a relationship with Jack. But... Lucifer does something very Lucifer-like. Jack finds out, and he's like, you're not my father. You're a monster. And then this obviously triggered the hell out of Lucifer. Yeah. And he ends up stealing Jack's grace. And becomes supercharged. That's no father. That's no father. Oh, yeah. Like, at, at that point, there was nothing that could beat him. Except there was one thing. That Michael. could possibly stand up to him. Not just any version of Michael. Michael wielding his sword. Because remember, Dean oh, is yeah. Michael's true vessel. So he ended up working with Michael to oh, okay. yeah, beat Lucifer. And they do that. But that, that's, that's, that's besides the point. What ends up happening is that Jax loses his soul. And he's basically come to a point where the Winchesters need to deal with him. Wait, and need so what? the Winchesters needed to deal with him. Damn. So God eventually stepped in because Jack's powers were starting to affect the entire planet. Okay. Basically, Chuck is trying to railroad them into killing Jack, who's basically become like a son to them. And it's been revealed that Chuck has been stringing them along like puppets. Yeah. He, in his words, you're my favorite TV show. How meta is that? Yo, that, that. 
And so when Dean and Sam and all the rest of them see the strings on them, they're like, dude, get this crap off of us. And Chuck is like, well, no, you're my favorite show. Do what you got to do. And the weapon that is supposed to kill Jack, they try to use on Chuck. And that obviously pisses him off. And that doesn't work? Well, in a sense. Okay. And so basically... That's what makes Chuck the se- the season villain of season fifteen. Damn! What the hell? That's so dramatic, bro. That's right. Yeah. So, one of the things he does is he resurrects Lilith. That's just one of the things. But as a side effect of opening all the gates in hell, like I'm saying, every single one of them, as in. The cage was opened, too. Wait, does that mean... Yep. Finally. Adam Michael. Adam. The lost Winchester. Not lost. They knew where he was. (laughs) They do. Lost lost in their minds because they threw him down there and never looked back. (laughs) Yeah, so this episode was about him. And by God, he stole the episode away with his performance. Good. Because... What he did, what what they ended up doing was uh, Michael and Adam actually formed a very tight bond with one another. And they're basically the reason why they got out of the, the pit unscarred. They, they were like prison buddies. Okay. Okay. Even though sense. it was previously, cool. n- well, she, you see, I got, I got into a discussion about this on Reddit because a lot of people are pointing out that, oh... Chuck said uh, Michael was too crazy to help them when Amara came along. Oh, when Lucifer, when they originally went to Lucifer to deal with Amara, that that's the darkness, by the way, God's the sister. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Lucifer says, oh, Michael's bonkers out crazy, but he's clearly not. Oh, okay. And so one of the theories surrounding that is that when uh, you have to you have to think about like about it like this. All of angel kind sees humanity as bugs, literal walking trash. And then just wash them. And then Michael goes and makes friends with one. So to Lucifer, you could probably make the case that he found that crazy. Okay. I don't know about Chuck. Everyone thinks Chuck's lying now because Mm -hmm. the famous line that put the whole fandom into, into unrest is basically, well, writers lie. So... What about the show is even really real? So sure. tell our audience how we were first introduced to Chuck. So all the way back. Yeah. All the way back in season four. Season four? Season four. Damn, I don't even remember that. Chuck debuted as a quote-unquote prophet. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And he was basically been helping the Winchesters every now and again with, like, uh, sort of thwarting the apocalypse indirectly. He also had his own little book series also, right? Yes, the su- he, the Supernatural series, and that's... He's writing the Gospel of Winchester. Supposedly. Very meta. Yeah. Because they had conventions and book clubs surrounding the Winchesters. Yeah. So weird, bro. And so... Um, and then season five comes along. And it's kind of hinted at that Chuck is God. The way he talks about, well, 
honestly, if you're looking at it thematically, season five was supposed to be the end of the show. Oh, really? I didn't know that. Yeah. Okay. Dean gets his not so happy. Uh, you, you look at the themes in that episode. It, it was the ultimate sacrifice. There's no way you can get Sam out. If you do, you're basically back to square one. Dean more or less gets what he wants. He finally has the chance to not be hunting, to be have to be you know to have a family and mm-hmm. whatnot. Uh, it also fits in with the the common theme of free will. So there's a really great line by Cass in that season where or there he's having a discussion with Cass and the Impala, and basically ah we won yes Castile was like we did the impossible but he's like then Dean is like well you know kind of feel screwed like everyone else gets their happy ending where's my happy ending in this and then you see Castiel was like well you know what, dude this is kind of what you asked for no paradise no hell on earth just more of the same yeah yeah so, so just refresh my memory season five because there's so many seasons after a while they get they kind of get jumbled up season five was when they got Sam out of the cage? No, that's season six. season six. Okay, so season five is the apocalypse season. So that's when they throw him into the cage. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah. Season eleven, back going back to the whole Chuck timeline. Once the darkness is released, darkness? I'm not going to go into that because I at least want that to be uh, non-spoiled. Yeah, but I already watched on. that. Well, he hasn't, so whatever. yes, I haven't yet. Although I know everything. <laughs> but you don't know who Continue, killed Continue, please. Chuck comes back for, the, for, for when the darkness is released, his sister. And, you know, they kind of go over where he's been this whole time. They, they basically establish that it's not just, uh, oh, he might be God. No, he is God. Yeah. Yeah. And then, you know, he helps them wrap up the darkness. That's okay. Then you come to season 11, where, all right, so I indirectly helped you boys with Lucifer. Fine. I directly helped you out with the darkness. He's basically establishing that if there's something big enough to mess with his creation substantially, he will step in. And Jack was becoming one of those problems. Uh, Yeah, by the way, if... To put it into context, why is this guy so important? Jack? Who is he? He's the son of Lucifer. A Nephilim. Yeah. And the, the idea behind that is archangels are already powerful enough. But what a Nephilim is, is the combined... Uh, when an angel and a human procreate, uh, the resulting offspring, what happens is... Souls are already like a nuclear power reactor. Grace is the source of an angel's power. Right. You put those two together, and they work in tandem. So basically like super saiyans. I mean saiyans. Uh, Saiyan and uh, human. Oh, you got a hybrid saiyan. Hybrid saiyans are Something like that. Now throw archangel grace into the mix. The stuff Mm. of primordial creation. The guys that were basically helping God sweep up the darkness. That is one powerful mf I know. 
And so when he got out of control, Chuck went, okay, well, let's deal with this. But Chuck being Chuck, he couldn't just have them deal with it. He wanted them to deal with it in the most dramatic way possible. He wanted to do uh, an Abraham sacrificing his son Isaac situation, a very thematic story. Why, though? Because that's how he is. He is a writer. That's how the show portrays him to be. But when Dean and Sam were like, we're not okay with that, and he's like, no, dude, come on. This is the story. You're really not going to go through with it? In seeing his indifference, they were really turned off to that. And so basically that's how he became the season villain. Okay, okay. But back to the episode. This is, this is a lot of context here. I'm sorry, but it has to be gone over. Um, this episode deals with the return of <clears throat> Adam and Michael. And the interplay between them is so, it's so rich. It really is. And there's this awesome scene where Lilith. Who's back? Yeah, goes to see uh, Adam, and she's basically like, your father wants to have a talk with you, and they go into this really enriching history of the apocalypse, how, it, and this was a fan theory before, but now it's actually confirmed, Michael and Lilith directly conspired with each other to bring about the apocalypse. Michael and Lilith? So nothing with Lucifer? Well, the whole point well, yeah. was that they both wanted the apocalypse to happen. Yeah. So they both worked together to make it happen. But doesn't, like, Michael and Lucifer... But the whole point is Michael wants to kill his brother. He wants to fulfill his destiny. Oh, yeah. So, oh, okay, I get it, I get it, I get it. So even though he doesn't like working with a demon, he does it anyway. Means, means to an end. Basically. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, you know, Lilith brings that up because Michael at first is like, if you want, if God wants to see me, he can come see me himself. But then she's like, come on, I, I, I really need you to come back with me. I'm, this isn't going to end well for me. And he just gives her a look like, this was never going to end well for you to begin with. And he just instantaneously, instantaneously vaporizes her in like the diner he's in. It's so awesome. <laughs> <laughs> And so no more Lilith again for now, for now, (laughs) for now. And just this even like just to go over with uh, what happened with Lilith. What what other guys are we going to get back? Like a lot of people really want Azazel to come. I know that's exactly what I was thinking. Azazel. Yeah. If they can do this, they can definitely pull that off. But in the great just to wrap things up. Mm hmm. So basically, Adam slash Michael begin to get their resolution with the Winchesters. And they kind of form an uneasy alliance with them. Because Castiel shows um, uh, Michael, basically, who's still clinging on to his good soldier act. Despite being thrown into the cage Mm -hmm. and being left there to rot. Mm -hmm. He shows him who Chuck really is. Like, and, you know, Michael, he's the good soldier. He doesn't want to even think remotely about that. But Castiel basically shows him. And so through that and the potential threat that they might have to face later, they form an uneasy alliance. Okay. And their next stop is they're going back to purgatory. 
because they found out the spell that Chuck used to seal Amara away. And they have to get a special flower called, I don't remember the exact name, but Leviathan Extract. What? (laughs) We're going to see Leviathans again? We're going to purgatory, so it's not out of the question. Ben. Ben. Yep. That's what other people are thinking, too. Benny. Benny! Who's actually made a debut in, in an earlier episode as an alternate future. What was he? He was in a future with uh, Dean where Sam gave in to his demon blood powers. Oh, I want to see that. So how many episodes do we have left in season 15? Well, let's see. It's 20 total. This is episode 8, so 12. Oh, so we're, we're oh. almost halfway there. And this is the mid-season finale. Oh, so we are halfway there, technically. This you know? show doesn't come back until January. Everyone is so upset. It's only a month. Yeah, it's only a month. It's only a month, and we get a bomb drop like this? Come on, man. All right. Well, in a month's time, we'll have another Supernatural episode where AJ is, is finally shaking the, uh, the effects of not seeing De- Sam and Dean. By the end of the show, he'll start having seizures and everything, and it'll go crazy. <laughs> yeah, apparently this ending is supposed to be dark. Oh. Good. Okay, I like that. good, good. I like I like dark endings. Yes. Like, I hate happy endings. Like, I do not like them at all. All right, so that was Supernatural, and that's AJ's Geek Out. Eli, you got a geek out for us? Uh, Yeah, actually, I do. Um, Just like um AJ's. Actually, mine's is on the same platform, CW, and it's a couple of shows, actually. Oh, but it's really one event. It's really one event, though. I know what you're talking about. Crisis. Yes. So, um... The Arrowverse has their crossover. Yes, the Arrowverse. Not just any crossover. It's the crossover to end all crossovers. Like, <laughs> if Infinity War didn't come out, this would be pretty ambitious. Yeah. If if Infinity War didn't come out, that that's so true. Very true. Um. So, uh, just to put a little context on this, just like uh, AJ did Supernatural, um, Crisis is basically about the Monitor and the Anti Monitor. Um. So, I I believe like the Monitor the the Monitor is the good one, and the Anti Monitor is the one who brings about the Anti Matter. Yeah, he wants to completely erase the multiverse. So, AJ, do you know a little bit about the DC comic version of yes, Crisis? I do. So, that w- what basically happens there, the way they do it uh, in the CW, the way they start it isn't exactly the same, but what basically yeah. happens is there's this uh, guy, from uh, a guardian from Oa. Mm-hmm. He's one of the, this is like way, well, no, not way back because he basically time travels. But anyway, there's an individual from Oa. Uh, I forget his name, but it's a very important name. Um, I'll find out for you. Yeah. But basically what he does is he's obsessed with how creation came to be. So what he does is he travels back in time or rather he gains a window to see what the beginning of the universe is like. But the universe, not liking that, says, yeah, well, you know what? Because you did that, we're going to have a multiverse. And so 
that's basically why the multiverse exists. What ends up happening is, um, if I remember correctly, it's been a while since I've read the Crisis on Infinite Earths comics. Part of this multiverse that's been created, um, basically you have the positive matter universe and the antimatter universe. And basically, the monitor and the anti-monitor have been fighting for, like, eons. But basically what happens is the anti-monitor, they fight, them, they fight each other so hard that they basically go into a deep slumber. That's how hard they were fighting. Wait, so, like, after the fight? No, like, when they fought, they fought each other to, like, with all their energy, that they basically went into a coma. <laughs> So yeah. just just to let you know, the Monitor has a very specific job in the DC universe. And what the Monitor is supposed to do is he's, because there's parallel universes, multi multiverses and stuff like that, what the Monitor's job is to do is to catalog these realities. Um, and But he, then he's got his evil counterpart, the Anti-Monitor. Who doesn't want to catalog, he wants to destroy Destroy. Mm-hmm. Which is funny because the way he started it, um, apparently according to the DC Comics, um, the antimatter destroyed the antimatter destroyed a universe by accident, and then he's like, "Oh, this is kind of cool. Let's keep going." <laughs> <laughs> oh, I actually didn't know that. That's interesting. Yep. I didn't know that either. But anyway, so basically, crisis. At its very core is wanting to preserve these universes that are being destroyed. It's the, it's the, it's like um, if Galactus were into eating universes, their job is to stop him from eating just everything. Yeah. Yeah. And you know there are a lot of sacrifices. Uh, I know Flash, Flash dies during Flash this sacrifice. excursion. Supergirl dies also yeah. as well. You know. Um, um, and I believe a version of Lex Luthor dies, Alexander Luthor. Yes. Right? Um, from one of from and more importantly, the monitor dies at the hands of Harbinger. Yeah. Right? So that's the context of of the comic book version, what ends up happening is that most of the multiverse dies, right? And yep. we're left with one Earth one. Is is that correct? Um, um, I'm, trying to, I'm trying to remember because it's been a long time also. I think you it know. was Earth one. I want to say 52 because I think part Earth of the... Re- no. Because Flashpoint becomes... Flashpoint comes before the new 52 and Flashpoint happens after... Crisis on Infinite Earths. So mm-hmm. New Fifty Two doesn't happen a- until after Flashpoint. Yeah, it happens a-, a while after. Yeah. So, um, so I was gonna say it results in Fifty Two alternate Earths, but I don't think that's the case. No, no. There, there's one remaining Earth in the Crisis on Infinite Earths. All, all other reality, all of, all of the other parallel Earths were destroyed. And I think part of the reason that they did that is because DC kind of was a mess yeah. with their origin stories. And I think this was their way of kind of simplifying the whole DC universe on a whole. Kill everybody and start anew with one Earth and one set of heroes and one set of origin stories and stuff. 
So that's that's the reason why we had the comic book event, really. Um, but now let's take a look at CW's version because it's a little different than Very, the comic actually. books. Yeah, yeah. It's first of all, we don't have all of the heroes. Krona. That was his name. Oh, okay. Krona? The Owen. There you Krona. go. See? They removed we the cro- they they removed the cro the yeah. the Krona arc from this. Right. Yeah, so like um according to CW, um it's basically just a sing I'm gonna literally read what it says. It says something about a single black infinitude, right? And then, then the infinitude, it, it the darkness broke and it was filled with life. So and the Big Bang. Yeah. So basically, after that, um, that created the multiverse, and every single every single planet was multi- multiplied by thousands. Right. Thing. Yeah. Right. There's a whole bunch of Earths out there. Yeah. Whole- Infinite Earths. Infinite. Oh, you saw what I did there? Yeah. <laughs> I'm not so infinite anymore. <laughs> well, we'll yeah. get into that. But, yeah, so there's there's a bunch of uh, planets that are the same. And that's basically the story in a nutshell. No, nothing to do with Krona. Um, yeah, the universe was already like this. Yeah, it's just the universe do its, doing its thing. Um so the so the interesting thing is that um, when the crisis on Infinite Earths um, story starts off, we get a ver- we get a, a look at some of these Earths, right? And there's a lot of Easter eggs in there, right? <laughs> uh, yeah. T- so this thing has been building for a year. They they the last um, crossover kind of set everything up, and throughout I think Arrow the Monitor has been popping in and out and stuff, you know, just to let you know that Arrow is going to play a huge part in this in this crossover, right? Yeah, Arrow does play a huge part. So the, f- yeah. f- the first Easter egg we get is Earth-89. Earth-89. Uh, I believe that was um, uh, the Batman? The Batman-89 Michael Keaton version. Yeah. Because we have Robert Wall reprising his role from that movie, and, and you have, he's and, there. And you have that classic music in the background. Yes, you do. Uh, the old Batman. Mm-hmm. And Who's you, Robert Wall? That guy right there. Yeah, who, I mean, who is he's he in a, the movie? He's a reporter. Oh, okay. Yeah. And yeah. then something that I noticed that probably a lot of people noticed was the bat signal. The Actually, if you look at it closely, it's not... The new bat signal, it's the original bat signal. So it looks like, I guess, an M. Yeah. Pretty much. Yeah. And then then there's Earth-9. Hey, that's Titans. Titans? Uh, the so Titans. We get, we get a, a, a look at Hawk. Hawk. And we get a look at Robin. Robin. But not Dick Grayson Robin. We it, get... Jason Todd. Jason Todd. From the... Titans show from the Titans show on DC Universe, which has nothing to do with the CW. So you you already get a sense that they're pulling from every single property that they can, not just focused on their network, because we get the movie version of um, of Batman. We get um, the Titans, Titans show. from DC Universe, and now the next one that they show is the Ray. Um, yeah, from Earth, Earth X. X. Right. So that was the last, I think that was the last crossover. That was the last Crisis crossover. Crisis on Earth, 
on Earth X. Yeah, right? I, I think so. Well, that was the one before the monitor thing. Right, exactly. Yeah. So on yeah. this one, if you go to CWC, the Ray has his own show. It's an animated show. I actually did not know that. Yes. Um, how long is it? Uh, it's not very long. I think they're like 30-minute episodes at, at best. Mm. Um, and then this one. Do you guys recognize who this guy is? I it took me a while to 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 realize it, but once I heard his corny line, I immediately knew who it was. We get Burt Ward <laughs> from the original, original Batman. What is it? 1966 or something like that? Yeah, the one with uh, Adam West. Holy crimson. crossover crap. Holy crimson <laughs> yeah. skies of death. There you go. <laughs> yeah, that's how I knew that's what that was. I, I didn't know who that was actually. So, yeah. Um. Yeah. So that that's a callback. That's a deep cut callback going way back. You yeah. Know? Not even I knew that. But like fifty to sixty years. <laughs> so, uh, what did you guys think of um, the crisis? Because it's a five episode event, and we've gotten through three. They come back in January. January. Okay. Oh, so everyone's doing this. What the hell? Uh, well, well, they're both wants CW to work during Christmas and New Oh, Year's, okay. Well, right? yeah, and plus, they're both CW. That. And they're both there's CW. That. Exactly. So the first episode uh, came out with Supergirl. No, I'm sorry, with Batman, Batwoman. I'm sorry. No, the, the first, first episode... episode was Batwoman. Yeah, it was. it was. Yes, the second episode was Supergirl, and the third episode was Flash. That is not. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. Yeah, Supergirl was the first one. Yeah, it was. I oh, thought it was, I thought it was Batwoman. Batwoman. Oh no, no, no. no. He's actually was... right because yeah, yeah, I remember yeah. seeing on the second episode the the battering. Okay, so, so it's Supergirl, yeah. Batwoman, Flash. I apologize. That's the order that we've gotten the first three episodes. Um, what do you guys think so far of Crisis on Infinite Earths? Here's my thing. Uh, I guess for the first few episodes, it, it, it's good. But for me, I just feel like they're trying to pack too much. There is a lot to that they're throwing in there. Yeah. You know, I, I, I would have felt better if this was like a, a, a miniseries of its own. Just the cameos alone. Well, it is a miniseries. We're talking no, about I mean, five like, hours. Like, like I'm talking about what Netflix did for The Defenders. Oh, okay. Yeah. So like have that. their own. So they would have to add what, like three episodes to it to make it a little bit longer, because the Defenders was only an eight episode arc. Yeah. Them, so it, 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 I think a story with this scale and the characters that are at play, I, I honestly think it deserves a little more runtime. It does because they're they're trying to squish it all together and it doesn't. Yeah, as, like as, I find the pacing to be way too quick. Like as, the the amount of cameos is probably worth an entire episode alone, right? Dude, yeah. we get Tom Ellis's Lucifer, bro. So let's go through all the cameos that we we can remember, right? So obviously we've seen Robert Wells' character from the original Batman, nineteen eighty nine, Michael yeah. Keaton. Um, Jack Nicholson movie, right? He's the journalist. Um, we get cameos from the DC universe. Teen Titans. Teen Titans. We got Hawk and Rob and Robin from there. Reminder, not not the bad show, Teen Titans Go. Definitely not that. No, this is Titans. Titans. No way. You no know? way. Um, who else do we get? Um, we also got that. I, I don't really know who Robin. he is. Well, we get Robin from the original 1960s. 1960s Batman and Robin show, right? 
Uh, who are you talking about? Um, who was that? The the guy with the red and green yellow shirt, where he says the corny line. Yeah, that's Robin. That's yeah, Robin. That's, that's Robin. That's Robin. That's not Robin. That's yes, Robin. That's Robin. That's Robin. Well, he's obviously way older. Now, but like, but... that's not Robin. Yes, that's holy Robin. senior citizen, Robin. That's Robin from oh. the original show. I didn't. I didn't. I. Yeah, that's Robin. Okay, that that does not. What? Whatever. I'm just done. I I don't even know. Okay, so we we also get um, Mia Smoke, who is is trending to be the next Green Arrow, right? Yeah, isn't it? And that's she, a storyline in the Arrow oh, show. Mia Smoke. Isn't it? She isn't she oh. from the show that you watch? Uh, she was on Shadowhunters. Yeah. yeah. Oh. Um. Tom Wells is now another another character. He's called the Pariah, Pariah. right? Um, who is tasked to by the Anti Monitor to be present at any of these tragic events, right? That's like his penance, or yeah. so to speak, right? Um, we also get Luke Fox from Batwoman. She shows up. That's Lucius's Fox oh, uh, son. Son? No, son, yeah. That's the guy that when she went to the next cameo that I'm going to talk about, the Wayne Mansion, the guy that opened up the door, that's Luke Fox. He, that's, he's another He's another part of the Bat family, right? Yes, he is, um, I believe, Batwing? he is Batwing, and there was rumors out there that he was going to be the next comic book version of Batman. Ooh. So, that's um, cool. you know. Bruce Wayne was going to hang up the cape and pass it on to Luke Fox. That was the rumor. I, I haven't heard much about that lately. Um, but the next cameo that we're going to lead into with Luke Fox is Kevin Conroy. Yeah. Now, you guys know who Kevin Conroy is, but just in case the audience doesn't know, if you've ever watched the 1990s Batman the Animated Series, he was the voice of Bruce Wayne slash Batman. He is the seminal voice for the animated Batman. He is uh, Hall of Fame material, right? He's yeah. been in uh, countless other Batman properties, too. Yes, he has. Yeah. So the Batman that we see here is a broken Batman, right? He's, yes. he's this, literally... This... This whole entire yeah. this whole entire scene is probably one of my favorite scenes of all time. I mean, all like all of the CW. Mm -hmm. uh, it's do I should I go on or go for it? But, but well, again, we, we're we're not in we're not in non spoilers. Everything is spoiler here. Well, technically, we haven't got to everything. Okay, so let let's yeah. let's circle but, back and let's go through all the other cameos yeah. that we see, and then we'll come back to our favorite episodes. So. Batman is there. We get not so much cameo, but we see the death of Superman on one of the Earths, which yes. is very reminiscent to the, the comic book version yeah. where he died at the hands of Doomsday. Doomsday. It was almost like lifted off the page, right? Yeah. They had a flag. Wasn't uh, that there? Yes. Yes, it yeah. was. Um, AJ's favorite, who is a regular on the CW, but John Constantine shows up. Oh, John Constantine. Pretty, pretty big part. Um, and here's another cameo that might be interesting. I think AJ would like this also, right? Smallville. 
Yeah. We got Tom Welling. I watch that show. I know. You should watch it. It's actually pretty good. Well, it's good at the beginning. It meanders in the middle, and then it gets good at the end. Okay. Um, Tom Welling reprises his role as Clark Kent in a very, very different and shocking way, right? Yeah. We'll get into that later. Um, and we also get Lois, Erica Durance. She's okay. also on the show playing Alora, I believe, right? Who is mm. a, a different character, but she comes back in a different role on this earth as the Lois Lane from Smallville. Um, Alora is a super girl's mom. Supergirl's mom, correct. And she was oh. on that asteroid that. Well, we'll get into that later. Yeah. Um, and one of my favorites, Brandon Routh, who is a regular on the CW as playing um, the Atom. He comes back and reprises his role from Superman Returns and shows up as Clark Kent. Clark Kent. Now Superman. He, now, he plays a, a Superman that is very reminiscent of the um, Kingdom Come Superman, right? He's got, not he's very familiar with that storyline, but neither. <laughs> I'm not gonna lie, I, I've seen memes on Reddit where it's like the virgin, uh, injustice Superman who loses everyone and becomes that, and then the Chad, <laughs> the Chad <laughs> Superman of this, uh, of the CW. Like, oh my god, it's so funny. So, here's the other Easter eggs. Um, these are people that have died at the hands of a certain person. Um, we see a Joker card. He's dead. We see the Joker died. We see the Riddler, his cane. Uh, apparently, he's gone and got himself perished. And uh, we see oh. Mister Freeze's snow globe. Yeah. And um. the thing that really sets everything off, we see a pair of glasses. And those oh, are th this is this is this is my favorite scene of the CW. All of CW. We'll leave the glasses unknown for now until you we go back to your scene. It's broken glasses. It's broken glasses. Yeah. Um, and we get a familiar person from the supernatural verse. What? What? Yes, the supernatural. We have a, a person playing Ryan Choi. Oh, yeah, oh. him. Kevin, uh, Kevin Tran. Kevin Tran as uh, who's supposed to become the Adam. Kevin Jonah Hex shows up before he got hexed. Yeah. Exactly. We have the Huntress from the long gone Birds of Prey show. I don't know who that is. That that it only lasted 13 episodes. It was here and gone in a flash. Oh, gone. Yes. Gone. <laughs> um and the biggest one, I think, you know what? I take it back. Brandon Routh is not my favorite uh cameo. That has to be, like AJ said, Tom Ellis playing his role as Lucifer, Lucifer. from Ew. Fox's and now Netflix's <laughs> series called um, Lucifer. <laughs> so, oh, and Black Lightning shows up. Definitely. Yep. He's, he, he, plays, does. he plays a which, role. Which is very interesting because when Black Lightning first came out, they said that he would not cross over with the other heroes. But yet... There he is. No, but I actually like him. I you actually know, like him as a character. Given what's actually happening, I don't think it's very far-fetched that they're trying to do here what they did with the comics and put them all on one earth. Yes. Yeah. 
And the one, there's two other cameos. One I'm going to hold until the end of our discussion because it's very impactful on where we're going to go with this show. Um, but the other one is the old Flash from the Barry Allen from the old Flash TV series. Yep. And yeah. um, he has a very specific role and a very specific scene. And when it does happen, we actually get flashbacks from the old show. It's it's actually pretty heartbreaking. Yes, it is. So, your favorite scene? Shoot. Um, okay, my favorite scene was definitely the broken glasses scene. Mm-hmm. Um, it reminded me a lot of Dark Knight, oh, and yeah. it was. Whose glasses are they? I'm not gonna say it yet. No, hold on. you have to say it, it now. Hold on, hold on. It was very dark. I liked it. It was. It gave me the creeps just looking at Batman. It was Superman's glasses broken, and there's not really much to it. It was very, very dark. Well, the Batman that we see Kevin Conroy play is like super uber dark, isn't he? Very dark. Like so dark that he kills everyone in his path. Yeah, all of those things, the Joker card, the Riddler, the the snow snow globe from Mr. Freeze, those are all trophies in his cabinet yeah of the people that Which he's you probably killed. guessed but this dude was a predator they're not skulls <laughs> i know this is probably one of my favorite versions of batman uh because he's very dark he's very robotic he he's really that's or on account of fighting superman man. i i i i yeah. like how they did um could i just yeah i like how they did how he's a retired um Basically, I guess you could call him a serial killer because of what he's done. Yeah, I guess. But he's pretty much killed everybody in Gotham that would be considered villainous, right? I guess. Yeah. So. And um but yet he's lost all hope. He has. And that's why that's one of the reasons why I like this Batman. This Batman is so dark and they did he's Luke, man. This is one of the least corniest scenes ever. In the CW shows, and that's why I like it so much. It's a really dark. It's so really dark. I'm gonna give you my impression of of the CW crossover. Um, we stopped watching some of the CW. We used to watch all of the shows, right? We started with mm-hmm. Arrow. We went with Flash. We did Supergirl. In fairness, I meant to catch up, but I just have not been allowed to. Right. There's yeah. so much TV out there that it makes it impossible to watch every single thing yeah and so the cw verse was one of the casualties of watching watching as much as we can right um so it's been a a couple of years since we've we've revisited that it's been years yeah it's it's, been years (laughs) well it's been like it's been like two seasons because i think the last season um was the last season we saw was the one with arrow and um that guy, I can't remember didn't, his name. Didn't Arrow like um, get thrown in jail or something? Yeah, that's that's what I was actually ended. watching that season, but I fell off. Okay, so that's that's where we probably all fell off on watching the CW verse. Yeah. You know, I watched an episode here or there. You know, I've kind of tried to keep up. Um, going back to this crossover, the interesting thing is that you really don't have to know too much about what I, happened. I don't agree. I you don't, don't think agree. so? No. Because I was complete 
the whole idea of Mia Smoke. Okay, yeah. yeah. She's, arrow, she's, arrow. she's a different thing. But Where did Pariah come from? Where did the Spectre come from? Well, Pariah, Par- Pariah nobody really knew about in... Yeah, if Pariah you watch the show, no, Pariah, I don't think, Pariah, I don't think so. No. I think Pariah they introduced him in this, in this. Uh, yeah, I think this crossover really because it Pariah seems like, like the way Cisco was talking about that it was based on prior events. No, to, well, well, something did happen with Wells. There's been like how many versions of Wells well, in this show? You yeah, know what I'm saying? how I see it is that um he was on a different Earth at the time, and because they mentioned it um. He he was trying to get like a lot of knowledge, mm-hmm. so much knowledge that he was forced under anti monitors control, and he basically suffered the curse of Krona. Yeah, Krona. And so maybe that was his his um their way of replacing Krona. You yeah. Know. Or maybe. actually, now that I think about it, it's actually the curse of uh I can't even see. I'm sorry. Just just as an aside, they name drop. The actual name of the mo- the anti monitor, but it holds no sway because we haven't even gotten into the new gods. It pisses me off. Yeah. <laughs> so and we won't see that chair. God damn. It. We will not. <laughs> okay, so maybe maybe there is that, but you know what? It's a story that, aside from the characters, you can pr- pretty fo- pretty much follow without having any knowledge of. You know some of the some of the other things. Well, you you, know? you have to at least have some some you seasons have, in, right? But. And and you can look that up, but it's not like a, a series. It's not like a crossover where you have to know the events. Yeah, you know it, everything pretty much happens throughout this crossover. Now, yeah, maybe you need to know the characters. I'll I'll give you that, but I found it it wasn't too hard to jump in. You know to yeah. watch it. That being said, I for either it's that we're suffering from the curse of um, all these new shows and the budgets that they have, but it's kind of corny. Yeah, you know? yeah, I know. The special effects are not the greatest, but hey, listen, it's a TV show. We get that, but it's gonna be hard for them to continue when you have the MCU doing their shows on Disney Plus with the type of budgets that they have. It's yeah. gonna become increasingly hard for them to compete because they it the show looks dated as it is, and now you're going to have movie budget quality TV shows elsewhere. Um, you look at the stuff on DC Universe; that's high quality. You Whoa. look at the stuff on Disney Plus; that's high quality. The CW has its cheese factor, and they embrace it, especially in Legends of Tomorrow. You know, yeah. which is one of my favorite shows. By I the think way. that was the only one I actually caught up on. Because Legends of Tomorrow is awesome. Legend, you know, what I'm yeah, saying? it I, is. I, it, to me, it's the best show out of all of them right now. <laughs> you know, because they're not afraid to embrace the crazy and the cheesy and the corny. As a matter of fact, God. they live off of that stuff. Unicorns you know? turning I'm, into aliens. Not oh, even that. Gross. I can never burn out of my mind the fact that they dealt with an. A centuries-old time demon by yes. transforming into a damn teddy bear. I know that <laughs> was that's crazy. That's the thing that makes Legends of Tomorrow so great. You know, they're crazy, full-on crazy. They've had George Lucas on there for God's sake. George Lucas, you know, yeah, they've they had did. Godzilla references on there. 
Okay, you know? they have. They, they have references everywhere. Everywhere. They so, even screwed up time, which they mentioned in... Well, they do, um, they they do, do that, that every other season. <laughs> yeah, every other episode. <laughs> every five minutes. They messed, up their, they messed up their trivia game just because they messed up time. <laughs> I swear to God, like, what? Exactly. So the thing that, that Eli God. is referencing to, there's a, a scene in oh, Crisis where they are they are literally at a trivia a trivia uh, thing contest contest in a bar yeah. and they know the answer to it but because they've screwed up time the answer is no longer relevant because the <laughs> singer that wrote the song because they changed time she never wrote it so they were wrong yeah. <laughs> that's how Damn. crazy legends no. gets so you know legends is i mean um the crisis event is f- super fun i i will say that but it is corny. The dialogue is stilted. The special effects are dated and stuff. But still, watching all these characters interact and seeing some of the callbacks, you know, like you said, if Avengers and Infinity War didn't exist, this would be the crossover event that everybody would be talking about. Yeah. So what what eventually happens is Arrow, uh, Green Arrow, sacrifices himself and he dies. But at the very end... We see um, the heroes trying to get into purgatory, and they have to go through Lucifer to get there to save his soul because they're trying to use the Lazarus pits to re- revive him. Because that always works out so well. It looks like he's now going to become the Arrow versus version of Spectre, which is huge. Because he is one stupid powerful mofo i actually He's don't i invisible in, invincible right yeah so that's where we left off he's, with that um, crossover just to provide a little context he's basically the ghost rider of uh dc oh, universe but like on a cause like don't get me wrong ghost rider is pretty cosmic as he's well not when i when i say cosmic i mean in the sense that you know He's dealing with celestial powers, heaven and hell, stuff like that. Spectre takes that to another level. Let's just say that. Okay, okay, okay. So he's going to be a, a very important character going forward. Um, there's two more episodes of the Arrow show, period. So it's going to be interesting how they wrap that up. New show, the Spectre. I mean, possibility. Well, he's, at, he's actually got um, the actor that plays Green Arrow. He's already got two shows going on right now. Which one? So he's got another show that's going to show up on, I believe, either HBO or Netflix, where it deals with wrestling. Oh. Okay, okay which oh. is which is a passion that's near and dear to his heart because he's... Didn't he appear? Yeah, he's shown yeah. up at a couple of the WWE events, so this is a perfect fit for him. There's also another show, and it's going to be on this weird streaming service called Quib or something like that. Um, I, I I don't remember exactly the name of the show because it's so weird, but it's the name of the show is Code Eight, and he's going to be doing it with his cousin. Um, so it's Stephen Amell, that's the the actor. His cousin is Robbie Amell, yeah. who's also shown up on the CW as Firestorm. They are Ooh. going to have they have a movie that's out. It's called Code Eight, and it was good enough that it's going to be turned into a show so he's already got two shows going on so i yeah. doubt he's Pretty gonna neat. have time to go back to the cw verse hmm. 
All right. So on that note, um, we're going to go to the last geek out that's going to be mine, and you guys can pretty much guess what that's going to be, right? Yeah. The Rise of Skywalker trailer? No. Nah. Oh, yeah. We forgot to mention that, though. Oh, yeah. So just on a, on a quick aside, excuse me, on a quick aside, we went out to... Uh, Manhattan. Manhattan. We went down to Soho and we stopped yeah. over at a place called Dolby, Dolby Soho where they were having a Rise of Skywalker event. Um, we're going to post some of those pictures on Instagram. But basically, in a nutshell, what it is, is it's a place that has about 11 interactive exhibits. It was um, filled. It was packed. Yeah, it was packed. Um, we went on a Saturday night. Saturday night. Um, and so basically what it is is just a, a good way for Dolby to show off their technology but using it in the vein of Star Wars. Star Wars. So you, when you first walk in, you're, you're greeted with four walls of trailers all happening all around you interactively with the sound blasting and stuff like that. You get to play with... with um, Lightsabers. Lightsabers, yeah. Um, there is a nine-minute, uh, what what do you call that? It trailer? was like an extended trailer um, oh, type with of thing. Better, with better um, graphics, showed, yeah, quality, and... They showed they showed some experts, excerpts from Comic-Con. I'd suggest not watching for the, like the first few minutes until the trailer starts because for me, right after... There was like this white circle in the middle. I'm just going to say this. Right. White circle in the middle. And they were talking about black points. So the whole screen went black. Like, like literally, it was impressive how black it was that impressive. screen got. Like, super dark. Yeah. And then there's just this white circle. And then the black point, I stared directly into it. Literally after that, I had trouble seeing... Ouch. And then they started doing all these hypnotizing things where it's like... There's like the circle and then it it just like blows up into a rainbow of colors and my gosh, my eyes hurt after that. So I'd suggest not watching for the first few minutes and until the trailer starts. Well, unless you can handle it. Unless you can handle it, which I couldn't. So if you have 20 or 30 minutes to kill and you're in the New York City area, I suggest you you know pop on by and check out Dolby Soho. Um, it's a nice little place to hang out. You know, they're, they're showing, they're showing off, like I said, their technology. There's two floors. The one floor has, you know, um, some of the main stuff. And if you go down to the bottom, that's where they have the cinema. They also have three Sith troopers on display. Oh, um, okay. and there's a little lounge where you can hang out and just listen to Star Wars music. So like I said, if you have like 20 or 30 minutes, head on down and check it out. Yeah. But... The thing that we're going to geek out over the last couple of minutes here um, is The Mandalorian Chapter 6. Oh, yeah. The Prisoner. Oh, I love the soundtrack, and it's probably one of my favorite episodes. But continue. Yep, so I'm going to jump on Eli's sentiment. It is one of my favorite episodes. Um, Again, though, we're, we're straying away from moving the story forward um again it's become it it seems like we're becoming a procedural show where it's like you know a case of the week and but i have to say it was a really fun episode you know there was a lot of tension dark it was very dark you know um 
It was, it was, and you know what I find interesting? The Mandalorian is being hunted throughout the galaxy by the guild, but yet he seems to team up with every single person that he sees instead of trying to hide well, out somewhere, right? It doesn't look like they operate within the bounds of the guild, though. No, I know that, but I would tend to think if you're being hunted down by bounty hunters, wouldn't you want to lay low someplace? Instead of constantly well, taking jobs and that's what he's trying being... to do, though he's trying to build up the the the, the wealth to be able to do that, I and guess. also yeah. take care of the of the child. He's doing a bad job of that. Well, yeah, but that's that's a whole. So other yeah. thing. let's get into the meat and potatoes of this episode. Um, this episode starts out with Mando hooking up with one of his old friends, right? Friend. And I put friend. that in quotation marks. Friend. So apparently Mando is not as green as we thought he would be, right? Yeah. Because he's got prior experiencing doing this complicated profession. And you definitely see that throughout the episode. This is the one where you saw the Mandalorian at his his best, right? Yeah. yeah he definitely. was really, really capable in this episode, he as opposed to smart. some of the episodes where he was kind of stumbling and bumbling along, right? Yeah. Which yeah. again is a, another shift in how we're looking at Mando. He's not really a very consistent character so far, which is another little bit of gripe that I have with the show going forward. So there's two gripes. He's not very consistent in the way they're they're framing the character. And it's become a procedural where we're not pushing the Baby Yoda plot line along at all, you know. Yeah. But anyway, he, he meets up with one of, the, one of his old friends, which happens to be Mark Boone Jr. from, uh, he's been in a Batman movie before, Batman, Batman Begins, Begins. But he's probably best known as one of the guys from Sons of Anarchy. So, you know, when you watch the episode, you will instantly recognize him um mando gets recruited for an assignment they have to break out somebody now originally mando thinks that he's there because there's a rival gang coming coming after him but no the person that they have to break out is somebody that's on an uh, a new republic troop prison ship right yeah uh, not a troop it's a just a prison ship prison right um, he's not too keen about that because he doesn't want the quote-unquote heat on him. I would understand. I would um, understand. And w basically the reason they, they recruit him is because they need the Razor Crest. They need his ship. That's because it. Because his ship is off-grid not only by New Republic standards but by Imperial standards. It's basically a ghost ship. And guess what? They don't even need him driving it because they have a droid... Uh, I believe the droid's name is Zero. Yeah. Right? I do not like him. Zero is Suspicious. gonna be the guy that's driving the ship. And he was a very interesting little fella. Yes, he was. He's a, a droid with character. Um so yeah. I'm seeing more of that these days. Yes, I know. They're not just regular regular droids. Beep up boop up. Exactly. Um so eventually they head out and he has a new team. And again, He's got some ties to this team. Now, the the main guy is the guy with the guns. Oh God, this guy has, right. like, five different guns. Yeah. <laughs> it's attached to his back, too. His name is Mayfield. He is going to be the leader. And the, the Sons of Anarchy character, his name is Ran. So he basically has... Ran has 
a long standing history with Manda. So when they leave, he said, okay, Mayfield's going to be in the number one. Anything he says, think of it as coming from me. So Mayfield is played by com comedian Bill Burr. Um, there's a Deveronian named Berg, and people I in sci-fi and genre and geekdom will recognize him as being Clancy Brown, right? Very recognizable character. And the third person is a Twilight named Jian. And this mm -hmm. is heavily intimated that both her and Mando have had a relationship, maybe romantic, maybe not. We really don't know, right? Mm -hmm. But there is a little tension between the two. Hey, man, she knew the way. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so, and it's interesting that you mentioned that because as they're headed toward their target, there's a point where they start asking about the helmet. The helmet, yeah. Does the helmet ever come off? And that's where she mentioned, this is the way. <laughs> and Berg actually tries to take the helmet off, and they get into a scuffle, and that's when they find that baby Yoda's on the ship. Now, they have never seen this species before. At first, um, Mayfield thought it was a pet, right? <laughs> and then um, eventually they drop baby yoda when they're coming out of hyper oh hyperspace but baby yoda being the resilient baby yoda that he is stop doing this to us he's so cute even when he gets hurt he's fine that squeal though i i was just like crying at, at that squeal it was like but tell me how funny was mayfield when he went into his gungan bit <laughs> so there's a point there where um basically they're roasting trying to Mando. figure out yeah they're trying to figure out what the Mandalorian looks like underneath and he was like oh maybe he's Gundam <laughs> and he busts out a, a, an explanation of full Gundam accent so Gungan Gungan Gungan, Gungan. what did I say Gundam yeah Gundam uh, I'm sorry I'm mixing my my franchises Gungan Gungan Jar Jar Binks Gungan uh, Misa you so crazy Gungan <laughs> So they get on the ship, and, well, guys, what happens? So they get on. They, uh, you know, they scope their surroundings. They uh, get, a, get a feel of the atmosphere. They uh, come into a bit of a scuffle with a few. That's the other thing. This ship, there's, there are not supposed to be any biological life forms aside from the prisoners. It's supposed to be completely manned by droids. They run into a few droids. Mando takes his hate out on them because he does have a, a hate fest on anything droid related. And we spoke on why we think he has that hate fest. Yeah, yeah man, it's CIS. Yep. Is it all goes back to those flashbacks that he had um, in the the hideout of the Mandalorians when he was talking to the armorer. Uh, probably, and it's not probably, it's probably, it is what it is. The reason he hates droids is because his family was murdered by battle, super battle droids. Yeah. So probably, probably during the Clone Wars or probably in the intermediate stages after it. Right. But no one, that's, that's the thing though. How can it be after if Anakin was tasked with telling all these droid stations to completely shut down? It has to be 
at least at the same time as the the the, the fall of the Jedi uh, during Revenge of the Sith. Well, okay, maybe, maybe. Because you you don't find many uh, droids that are online. Like the only instance you got of a droid faction being online and operating is in Rebels. When you had that, uh, there was a marooned uh, uh, cruiser, I guess, and it basically held a population of battle droids. Uh, which one? I don't remember. That is that. the only other instance where we have seen battle droids online and operational during the, uh, I guess you could say, original trilogy era. Well, during Order 66, um, shoot, I'm trying to, whatever, whatever. Yeah, that's another thing. I'm going to see Revenge of the Sith soon, because I really, uh, I was talking with a friend the other day, and how sad that movie was. I just got to see it again. Yeah. So, droids on the, on the ship. Yeah. Mando dispatches the droids spectacularly, yeah. right? That was beautiful to watch. Aye, aye, aye. Yeah. But... There is a human on board. Yeah, that's a complicating factor that may feel new about, but it's like, I didn't think we'd get this far. Mm-hmm. Now, interesting to know who the actor is that played that particular character. It's Matt Lanter. Now, if you guys are familiar with him, he is the voice of Anakin Skywalker in the Clone Wars and Rebel series. Hmm. I didn't know that. Yep. Cool. Um, you get a tense standoff again. Mando showing his colors where he does not want to kill the person. And he actually, it becomes a Mexican standoff, right? Because everybody's pointing guns. Mando's trying to calm the guy down. He has a switch that if he clicks it, will send a New Republic kill squad, right? Yeah. Something like that. Yeah, like a kill streak. Right, exactly. So. Um, they're trying to avoid him from pressing. Mando's trying to talk him down. Mayfield's got a gun pointed at him saying, put it down, I'm going to kill you. Uh, Berg wants to get, now start shooting people, and eventually what happens is Gian uh, vibroblades him, throws a, a vibroblade on him, kills him, and he was like, oh, you guys would shut up already? I was getting bored, basically, right? Yeah, but it turns out he pressed it. He pressed it. So they have, what, 20 minutes to complete the mission, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, what's the mission? You finally find out who it is, right? It's the brother of Xi'an who Mando left on a previous mission. And at that point, they turn on him. Very quickly, I might add, because as soon as he walks out, they kick Mando into the cell and shut the door. Yeah. Yeah. So they're on their way back to the Razor Crest, Razor's Crest. Um, Mando ingeniously finds a way to get out of the, the cell by using a battle droid, uh, using a grappling hook yeah. to bring him to the he, door. He, Damn clunkers. Yeah, yes. and then he <laughs> grabbed his arm, he ripped it off, then he... Clankers. Uh, uh, it's clankers. Yeah. <laughs> he, That's um, a Clone Wars reference. So he, he rips off the arm. He... he Takes it out of the window and presses the... No. No, he, he, he uses that little... The... I don't know what you even call that. <laughs> the thing that R2-D2 uses to hack into... Yeah, um, the, hack into computers. The hacking pick. Yeah, the I'm hacking just gonna call pick, it that. right? Yeah, and then so he... So he gets out. It. 
and he ends up walking back to the place where Matt Lanter's character was because that is really the control room and he's yep. got vision, he's got cameras, he's got full control of the ship from that place. Yeah. And then we begin. Mm-hmm. And for me, this is the part where I told you it reminded me of the Aliens movie. It did. It really did. Because it effectively becomes Mando hunting down each of those characters. And he does it in a very strategic way. So He does. And what he does is he ends up taking that little tracking device, the, uh, the New Republic kill switch, mm-hmm. right? But he That first, doesn't pay off until later. Right. First, he meets up with Berg. Well, what he does... Well, he starts uh, basically locking down everything and trying to control the environment. And then what I really liked was how he split them up. Right. So they were... I think they were running... No, they were starting to... They were headed back to the to the ship to get out of there. And then all of a sudden, the door locks and two of them are on the other side. And two on Xion and Berg, and then what is it, Mayfield and, and Kin. Kin, and oh Quinn my God, Quinn. Yes, whatever it is. Damn. Like Mayfield, <laughs> at least Mayfield even made the attempt. Like, dude, are we gonna? What are we gonna do about your sister? And then Quinn is like, "What sister? Let's get the hell out of here." Mm-hmm. <laughs> my God. So Mando starts hunting and hunting, hunting each one of these down. The first one that he he stumbles against Berg. is Berg. Um, how great of a fight was that? I like how they unveiled that he was fireproof. That was pretty he cool. Was. He took a full blast of flamethrower to the face. I know. And nothing happened to the Deveronian. I know. It was he actually didn't he chuckle afterwards? <laughs> yeah. He did. He you did. Know. He did. Flinging him all around was was Berg. Mando was like a puppet being thrown up against the wall here and there. Um, he even tried doing the uh, whispering the whispering birds. Yeah, right. Um, guns, nothing, nothing worked. He was thoroughly outmatched until he was able to flip him over and throw him against the doors. And what did he do? He basically had them subdue him. I'm not gonna say crush him. He, right, so he, the first blast door came tumbling down and on we, Berg. We all on, thought he was dead. We thought he was dead, but yet, he like, was, Atlas r- lifting up the world, right? Yeah. He pushes that thing over, starts, he looks like he was about to laugh, right? Yeah. He was like, yeah. really? And Mando then shuts the blast doors from the side. <laughs> <laughs> and that's the last image we got of Berg, so... <laughs> We thought he was done. Yeah. The next he, person that he goes after is Mayfield. Mayfield. Or was it Shion? Shion. Okay, it was Shion. So Shion, that was a very quick fight. Um, she throws vibroblades. Some of them bounce off his armor. One of them gets caught into his arm. The part that wasn't covered by Beskar. Beskar. But at the end of the at the end of the fight, she he gets the best of her and has a blade to her neck. Yeah. I thought he made thought the she, cut. I thought he stabbed her. Mm-hmm. So we cut away, and then we are now with Mayfield, oh, which is probably my favorite scene out of the whole thing because it made Mando out to look like a horror movie character, right? <laughs> yeah. Oh, now I remember you that. remember that, right? Now. So Mayfield's walking around, and he, he already has the offer by Ken to... Um, that, that if he kills Mando and gets him off, he'll get triple 
the amount of bounty that he would have gotten, right? Um, there comes a point, and again, very aliens-like. He comes down this corridor, which is flashing with the strobe lights. And, and it's the, red. And, and it's red, and it's dark, and it's flashing, and it's dark. And with every flash, we see Mando in the background. And then he's the next flash, he's gone. On. And then the next flash, Mando's a little closer. And yeah. then he's gone. And then a little closer, closer. again. And then, and then Mayfield turns around. And there's there. Mando. He's like, no! Well, no, he's not there no. at first. He's not oh, there. Right, right, right. And then he makes another turn, and he's right there. And he's like, this can't be happening. Yeah. <laughs> and we cut away again. So then the last person that's left is Ken. Quinn. Quinn. Ken. Whatever his name is. At first, he didn't get off the ship. The brother. Way. Let's put it that way. He was about to get off the ship. He was at the, oh, uh, yeah. he was at the ladder. He was on the ladder. Oh, did I forget what was happening on the Razor Crest? <laughs> Oh, yes. So, uh, basically, uh, Zero is getting a little nosy, and he's going through um, Mando's uh, hologram archives. And he basically comes upon the the message from, what's his name? Grief. Grief. Grief Grief Karga. Mm -hmm. Basically saying, "Bring uh, bring the bounty here. And... At the same time, we see Baby Yoda walk in on him. <laughs> and so, at first, Zero is like, interesting. Okay. And then, uh, I guess, he has a little synaptic, uh ha And he's like, wait. What if that's... And he goes to pick up this blaster of all things. <laughs> and then Baby Yoda's not there. And so he's now with Mando hunting down the other bounty hunters... Um, Zero is now hunting down Baby Yoda on the ship. And, and he still looks cute even when he's hiding, right? I know. He, hiding he, behind crates. He keeps teleporting. He's or like something. a ninja. He's, he's like stealthy, bro. Yeah, because Zero could not find him. Uh, Baby Yoda would look, peek behind the crate, and then Zero would come over, and he's gone. So he's, yeah. like, he's like a little ninja. So basically what happens is... Um, <laughs> <laughs> Going Quinn, back to Quinn. Quinn pleads for his life. He 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 basically says, "Hey, you have a code. You're not going to kill me. You have to bring me in. That's the code that you have, blah blah this and that." And then we we cut back to the Razor Crest and Zero finally finds Baby Yoda. Baby Yoda goes to use the force on Zero. Yeah. As Zero raises the blaster to shoot Baby Yoda, and then he gets blasted himself. Now, at first, Baby Yoda thought that he was the one that did it because afterwards, when the blast happened, he looked at his hand. And he was like, "Did I do that?" <laughs> but as Zero falls, we see it's the Mandalorian behind them. Yeah. Um, they end up going back to where Ran is, um, and he brings the bounty. Just like old times, that's the line that they keep saying. Rand pays him, he gets on the ship, and he's about to leave. And the other guy, and Rand goes, and he says, kill him. And so a, I guess a, a bomber, a fighter, yeah. comes out of the, the thing. But yep. that's when Ken, Quinn, or Ken, or whoever it is, Xi'an's brother finds out he's been duped a little bit, right? 
Yeah. He's been bamboozled. So remember that nice little homing device that we spoke about earlier? This is where it comes to pay off. Because it's been on Quinn's person the entire time. And right as the Razor Crest is leaving the bounds of the uh, the space station where he harbors, maybe a few space nautical miles out, three, three uh, X-Wings come <laughs> out of hyperspace. I know. And it's interesting to note that those three X-Wing, the pilots, are very, very particular. Um, because the first one we see, it's Dave Filoni. Dave Filoni is now canon. <laughs> Dave Filoni is piloting one of the X-Wings. But guess what? The other two X-Wings are piloted by Deborah Chow and Rick Famayua. I always mess up his last name because his last name. Now, if you don't know who those two other people are, all three of them were directors for The Mandalorian. Every single one. I don't think anybody else is directed. Oh, well, the only other person that directed was um, Bryce Dallas Howard. So, But every other episode was directed by these three. They're all canon now in the Star Wars universe. And what happens... (laughs) They blow that space station to hell. (laughs) And the Mandalorian's like, see ya. (laughs) So now, here's my third gripe with the episode. Why the hell is Dave Filoni not in a helmet that looks like a cowboy hat? (laughs) Because that's not what you wear when you're flying an X-Wing. Cowboy Bebop. Dave Filoni, he always wears a cowboy hat. They should have made his helmet into a cowboy hat. I don't cowboy think that I'm fits never watching Republic another episode standards. again. Never watching another episode again. You should have done that, people. What's wrong with you? <laughs> Maybe they don't exist. Well, no, they Cad Bane is yeah. Cowboy okay. Bebop. Cad Bane is a cowboy. Yeah. So that's the end of that episode. Yeah, pretty much. And as per the usual, as they're flying off. Mando gives Baby Yoda that little piece of, uh, I guess, you know, the knob. And he told him, I told you it wasn't a good idea. I wonder what that was about. I think he's starting to form a dialogue with him, even though maybe Baby Yoda doesn't speak back. But we don't know that for sure because the episode wraps up. Force. All right. So we're done. This is now episode six. We've got two episodes left. So now the next episode is going to be Wednesday um, before the uh, release of Rise Rise of Skywalker. Skywalker. And then following that, it's going to go back. The last episode will be a Friday episode. So if you guys are expecting a Friday episode coming up this week, just know that they're dropping it on Wednesday instead. And I gather the reason why is that maybe, just maybe... There may be some Easter eggs or something that relates to Rise of Skywalker. We're just speculating here. Mm -hmm. Um, And maybe the reason why is that they did not want people to go into Rise of Skywalker without seeing the episode of The Mandalorian. But again, that's just a guess, and I guess we'll find out in a couple of days from now. So we're going to wrap this bad boy up. Um, I want to thank everybody for listening. I want to thank everybody for subscribing to 
the Get Geek podcast. And please remember to rate and review the show. That'll only help us. And please tell all your friends. Um, if they're into geek stuff, let them know that there's a, a podcast out there that they may like. Yeah. Um, anyway, I'm going to sign off here. My name is Walt. This is AJ bidding the all adieu. Eli. Eli? Supreme boy Eli, actually. Gucci um, over Versace? Or hmm? we're not doing that anymore? No, no. it's okay. It's okay. Let's, let's not bring that back. Gucci and, Gucci and Versace, I realized. And Supreme. No. Just no. So no. Nike? <laughs> no. Nike's pretty Nike good. Nike and Adidas? Adidas. Or Adidas? Oditos. Oditos. I don't know. Alrighty then. Well, anyway, later people and stay geeky.